you know, how do you get your business to really believe in the values and the mission of your hospital is really having your team involved, creating team agreements is probably the first place to start and really getting their input. What do they agree to for our clients, for our patients, and for the team itself? Hello, Positive Leaders. Thanks for joining us today. You are listening to the Positive Leadership Podcast with Andrea Crabtree and David List, a podcast for everything a veterinary manager needs to know to get the job done. We've been there and we know how hard it is and are here to help share our knowledge and expertise to elevate you. I'm Andrea Crabtree, co-founder of Positive Leadership Podcast, owner of FurPause Consulting, a certified veterinary practice manager, and HR certified professional. And I'm David Liss, co-founder of the Positive Leadership Podcast. I'm also a certified veterinary practice manager, hold an MBA, and I'm a registered veterinary technician. And this podcast is for you, the veterinary practice manager, supervisor, and leader. We want to elevate you by equipping you with relevant content, material, guidelines, instruction, feedback, and pro tricks and tips. We will deliver real life experience along with our super smart guests that will get you through the obstacles that you're facing today with some bloopers and blunders along the way to remind you that you're not alone. FurPaws Consulting has deep expertise in helping veterinary practices reach their full potential for all types of practices, whether specialty, emergency, or general practice, by working alongside the practice owner and manager. Are you a practice owner or practice manager with a challenge and not enough bandwidth to tackle it? Reach out to me, Andrea Crabtree, owner of FurPaws Consulting, with the question that keeps you up at night. I'm able to provide expertise and insight to navigate those tricky obstacles. Find my info in the show notes. Email me at andrea at furpaws.us or check out my website at www.furpawsconsulting.com. Hello, Positive Leaders. We are so excited to be back with you guys again today, and we're super excited about our guest this week. Mary Lopez is a practice manager for Hendricks Veterinary Hospital in Boise, Idaho, and an area manager for NVA. She holds a Bachelor's of Health and Science, a minor in business management, and a master's degree of organizational leadership. So welcome, Mary, to the podcast. Welcome, Mary. Hi, David. Hi, Andrea. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be here today, and I'm so excited to talk to you both more about leadership. (laughs) Awesome. Oh, we love it. This is what we love here. So we don't read stuffy bios on the Positive Leadership Podcast. So um, without having to read your bio, can you tell us and the listeners about yourself? Yes, I um as David said, I am from Boise, Idaho, born and raised here. I have let's see, I've been a practice manager. It's been over 3 years. It feels like an eternity, I would say that because I feel like I've learned so much the last 3 years. Prior to that, I have 11 years of senior living management, so I was in doing in a senior memory care, assisted living, um independent living. I was in there for 11 years. Actually got my administrator license thought my career was going to be there until MBA found me and I joined the veterinary industry and just been doing um, a lot of learning, developing, learning about medicine. All of that has been so much fun. As David said, stated, my background, my education background, I have several. I've been going to college. I feel like the rest for like the 
20 years, I could say, uh, probably 15 years is more realistic, but 15 years of going to school and I just love to learn and I really love to grow. But personal about me, I have three dogs, uh, two actually adopted from a senior living home and one French bulldog. Andrea and I connected earlier. We are Frenchy lovers. Love yes, me. love it. <laughs> Frenchy socks, Frenchy AirPod covers. You yes. got it. I'm that girl. <laughs> Go Frenchy and you're just down that rabbit hole for a good long time. Never coming back. Yes. And so, yeah, and then I'm married and have two kids. Oh, very cool. Well, that's so interesting to learn more about your background and the fact that you actually are, you know, you didn't grow up in the industry. You've been a transplant. So that's great. So on the podcast, we really like to feature our awesome, super great guests, favorite book or a podcast or a CE course or a class that really left a lasting effect on you. Can you tell us if you have one and why that was so meaningful? This was super hard. When I got this question, I was like, well, my gosh, I read a lot of books. I listen to a lot of podcasts and I'm always attending some type of CE class. But I'll say my recent most lasting effect on me is called The Happiness Lab with Dr. Lori Santos. It was talking about burnout, kind of dealing with my team burnout, my own burnout, and just really reflects on your personal mental health. And I just think it's just so important to really stop and listen and reflect on your mental and physical, your physical self. So I think that one was probably my favorite. Love it. Can't wait to put that in my Amazon cart. Sounds fantastic. I appreciate your attention to yeah mental health and well-being, not only of our teams, but you said of yourself. I love that. I just want to highlight that we often forget about that as managers. And I think it's important that we take the time to do that. And I have a feeling that we're super going to geek out right here because <laughs> I don't know, you might be my spirit animal. You are known <laughs> for culture building and employee engagement, which are like the two areas that I really love to focus in with my consulting business, like where I super have a passion for are these two areas. So tell me why these two areas of leadership are your areas that your soapbox. Tell me about why you love these areas. You know, I was a cheerleader for a long time. and. When I got into kind of management, I was like, I'm still a cheerleader. I may not be able to do those jumps, and but I could still be loud and positive. And so culture building, employee engagement are just so important to me. And when I worked in the senior living, you know, I didn't really know. And I've been in toxic cultures. I've been in places where, where it wasn't fun working at or you just didn't enjoy what you did. And so in every department I ran... I really focused on my people. I felt like that was my key to success for the success of our business was just our people. So when Andrea, when you say you're super exciting geeking out, I geek out yeah, all the time it. about it. Yes. <laughs> you just said people and I'm like, that's right. <laughs> yes. It's the people. Yeah. Yeah. My passion for sure. You know, they really determine our success and the failure of your business. They were so important. And so I think people sometimes they think about you know, how can we drive visits? How can mm -hmm. we increase revenue and all this stuff? And I'm like, wait, how are you going to get there if you don't talk about wh what's going yeah. on with your people? And right. Like, yeah, oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. Like if you build your people and your people build your business. Yep. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. This is for sure a people business. So it's interesting you mentioned that and you talked a little bit about like revenue and finances and stuff. And I think a lot of times we get really into our data, KPIs, PLs profit loss statements. And we look and we say, you know, how did we miss revenue or cogs is high or all these kinds of things. And then 
we come up with this action plan to solve it. And it's perfect. We're going to triple pricing and we're going to reduce markups and we're going to do this and that and do, 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 do. And as you said, none of it happens without execution. So Mary, tell us, how is it that our people have an impact on the business and why can't, I mean, this is rhetorical, right? But why can't we just, you know, crank a lever or twist, you know, a dial and just have everything run better? Exactly. I think we, you know, that's why I went to school for organizational leadership. I didn't go for an MBA. I wasn't really focused on the financial part of it because I feel like those are skills you can learn. And then organizational leadership was more involved with people. And that was really key to me. And so when I think of people, I think of them as organization. If your people believe in your mission, your core values, and they enjoy their job, then they are going to make your huge, they're going to make a huge impact on your business. They're going to take care of those. They're going to take care of their clients. They're going to give a positive experience for their patients, for their clients. And the medicine, the high quality of medicine increases in the care. So I think when you think about it, when about financials and all of that, you got to start with the people, let them believe in it. Then those KPIs, like you said, David, will start to improve. And then you'll start to see everything like, wow, we practice good medicine here. Man, we got a a five-star Google review. And that is amazing. How did we get there? It's because you developed your people and you engaged them. That is so true. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yes. Say it again for the people in the back, right? So I have to tell you, Mary, I got on LinkedIn and I stalked you a little bit. And, And I love what I saw. And there was something on your LinkedIn page that really intrigued me. And again, it goes back to like how I'm going to geek out here with you on this right now. But you believe that helping others feel empowered and valued generate a greater commitment to the organization, or in our case, the practice, the the veterinary practice. This in turn kind of has this motivation in the workforce, in the workplace, and then it drives innovation or ideas. So this is a a little bit of your mantra, and I'm paraphrasing quite a bit of it, but I'd love for you to break this down in your practice. How do you see this play out in your practice? So if you talk to my team, any of my hospital managers or my team at my home hospital, they would say, I am like the biggest jokester. (laughs) I know the feeling, um, just being the short time of being in the veterinary field, it can be a very stressful job. And it just can lead to burnout. And so when I think about empowering and value and just creating a motivating place, like the day-to-day at our practice, we are embracing laughter and we're building those connections with each other. So you can see me moving, connecting in in my office, really connecting with each of my team members. And they're not formal. They're not formal sit-downs. I am pretty much- impromptu, yeah. Yep, I'm sitting next to them at the technician desk. And say, hey, how's it going? What kind of case? Mm -hmm. You got a case. And they're like, you know, when some team members first started from different practices, they joined my hospital. They were like, why are you next to me? They look scared. And I'm like, (laughs) right, right. What's the manager doing here? (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, I was like, I just want to know what you're doing. I don't know your job. Am I doing it wrong? (laughs) Right, right, right. Am I in trouble? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, exactly. They're like, what did I? Yeah. They're always like, "Uh, do you need to talk to me? And I was like, no. So now they're like, they know when Mary's coming to sit with us, she's actually just talking to us. She wants to get mm-hmm. to know us and really see them as people. And it was really important that they are, that I can connect them on a day-to-day basis. So 
I actually saw this post and I want to share it from Josh Vaismith from Flourish Consulting. I follow him on LinkedIn. Yeah, shout out to Josh. He's been on. Yeah, yeah he's amazing. amazing. It was a I need to meet him. So great you gotta- time having him on our show. He's great. I love talking to him. Okay, I can well, make an intro. Connections. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. Shoot me a note sure. make intros. Yeah. Yep. So he shared a perfect graph. I don't know if you both saw this that shows on how to motivate performance at your practice. And it was just very simple. Discover, develop, and craft. So how do you generate and empower your team? And it was really each of my team members. I have touch points with every single of my team members, including my doctors, including my kennel assistants, including my front desk receptionist, you name it. And even my all sites from in Utah, I have hospitals out there too, multi-sites, but I like to sit with them and get to know them. But I also like to identify what strengths they have and how we can grow or any weakness that they can, we can develop out of it. And then he talks about discover, develop, and craft. Next one was to develop, you know, mm-hmm. develop an action plan to achieve those areas for just for them. I feel like a lot of, I don't know, YouTube may see it different, but I see like a lot of organizations, there's like cookie cutters, like here is a template we use for each team member. And it's like, you must do this. And I'm like, nah, I don't like these ratings. <laughs> I'm like, I like conversation based. And I'm like, hey, what do you want to learn? Oh, I want to be able to monitor anesthesia. Oh, I want to be able to be a surgery technician. Okay, how can we get there? And so we really, I sit down with them, we create these plans. And, you know, every time my team members sit down with me, they're so they feel motivated. They're like, oh my gosh, she's really investing the time with me. The leaders here actually do because I have several assistants and we really spend that time empowering them and getting them to their goals because it's really important to focus and, you know, invest mm-hmm. in our people and our growth. Right. It's, that sounds yeah. a little bit like career mapping to me, Mary, mm-hmm. where you're sitting with them individually and allowing them to identify the areas that they want to be successful in, that they want to learn in, that they want to develop in, and then outlining how do we get there. So it's individualized for each different person, right. depending on where right. they're at and where they want to go. Is that what I'm yeah. hearing? Yes, it's exactly. But then mm-hmm. when, okay, good. When I state, you know, building that relationship with them, not just like the impromptu relationship, I mean, is that when I give them the feedback, and it's a feedback they receive either weekly every other month with me, whatever. And it's like criticizing, you know, constructive feedback. They're like, okay, got it. They just walk out of my office and they're, you know, I had maybe one team member that was like, I'll, I don't know what you're talking about. And it just denying, denying it. Mm-hmm. And that's how I go. You're not willing to grow. And I am only giving, I'm giving you the foundation and you're not building on that. So wow. we've got an issue wow. here. Yeah, that's a really interesting point. I have this conversation. I mean, I'm guilty of it too, but I have this conversation a lot with managers and you are in a regional role too. So you coach managers now. And it's very often where they say something like, you know, here's all the issues going on with an employee and it's a laundry list, right? And my first, Mm -hmm. of course, question is like, have you spoken to them? And basically they often will say no, maybe they said yes, but typically there's like 19 things they need to go over. And that can be a lot for somebody. Yeah, and, and a lot of times they're, sure. yeah, and they've Absolutely. happened yeah. a year ago, right? And it's some of them are just like beyond not timely anymore. So, what you just said, I think is really important to remember is whether it's positive or negative feedback, or as you said, constructive criticism or whatever, the minute they do something, whether it's good, like, hey, that was a, you know, I've really seen you improve your catheter skills. Like you sit down and you tell them that and they go, great. And it's like 30 seconds, right? 
on mm-hmm. the other side, it could be, hey, you know what? You were late today. We need to have a five-minute conversation about what the expectations are around, you know, da 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 And then when you do that, then, for example, if you have a big coach or a write-up or a termination or whatever, it can't be a surprise because you've had 92 micro-conversations with them. And on the good side, though, we're not focusing so much on the bad side. On the good side, they love that, right? Like, they love that you have one specific little tiny thing. It's super... Like it's like taking the bite out of the elephant, but you're taking it one bite at a time. You've been very direct. The, the the meetings, as you said, are probably thirty seconds to five minutes. Super specific, right? And they're and they say, "Got it." I, that that thing, you know, it doesn't feel overwhelming. And I think that kind of feedback is so much more what we need to be focusing on these days, rather than yeah, the yearly yes. performance review or even I the agree. quarterly one and the huge write up that has a laundry list of issues, right? Like, do you agree? What do you think? Yes, absolutely. You hit it. Like, I love that analogy you gave me. It's like taking the little bites of the elephant. And because when you do get to that point, they are not surprised. And so as I am taking on more field leadership role, my assistant manager is having to, you know, do these little conversations. And I'm all like, making sure you got to have these conversations. You got to have these conversations. Don't wait. Yeah. And it's, frequently. it's yeah. so important because, you know, as a boy, I look at it as myself you look at it yourself, if your manager's waiting six months to tell you something, I'm like, why didn't you tell me six months ago? Well, I'm like, that's not fair to me. Right. I would have fixed it. Now I yeah, made 20 exactly. mistakes. Like, right. And and how it feels weird, work? right? Yeah. Like yeah. When somebody, when you're telling somebody, you know, yeah, six months ago, you did this thing. I'm like, I don't remember. Yeah, no, absolutely. So going back to talking about your vision statement, your mission statement, and your values. I mean, I think that these are I wouldn't even call them buzzwords anymore because they're so in our vernacular now. But I want to say, and I am calling out people in this industry, we get it really wrong when we kind of deal with these. I think that, first of all, they are top down. And so somebody tells you what the mission, vision, and values are. And yes, if you're joining a practice that's been around 30 years, that maybe that's what it is, right? But did you bring them up in the interview? Do you discuss how you align with those things? But if you're building those, that's what I want to really kind of ask you about, Mary, is if you're building a mission, vision, or values, and sometimes organizations have to go through reorgs, right? Like maybe the mission isn't what it is anymore. How do you basically get a bunch of, like, it's like herding cats, right? How do you get three employees, five employees, or 20 employees aligned and excited and engaged around the mission, vision, values of the practice? Because you mentioned those, and I'm fairly certain that your collegiate masters focused on getting aligned around that. But I think that's one of the other areas that we fall short of is we say, yeah, we have a mission statement and we throw it up on the wall. But if you really talk to people and get them to be professional, but drop their guards, you know, they might be like, well, I don't agree with the mission. And you're like, well, that's why we're not aligned, right? So how do you do that? What does that look like to either write a mission, vision, values, or if you have one, how to get people aligned around it so that they know why they're coming to work every day, right? And it's much deeper than a paycheck or taking care of animals, which is a a big piece of it, but could also be deeper as to like why that business exists in the community and all those things, right? And that's what gets people super, keeps them in the industry for 20, 30 years rather than like, yeah, I go to work to take care of animals. That can fade a little. So how do you do that? What do you think about that? You know, when I joined my practice, it had already a mission statement there. I actually just read it a couple, was it a couple of weeks ago? And I was like, that didn't hit me. Like, did I feel any different? Did it motivate me? I wasn't part of that discussion. So I didn't know. And I'm like, if I feel this way, how do my other team members who are new to my practice feel? 
And so we actually did this probably a couple years, maybe two, a year and a half ago. We started with our team agreements. You know, how do you get your business to really believe in the values and the mission of your hospital is really having your team involved, creating team agreements is probably the first place to start and really getting their input. What do they agree to for our clients, for our patients, and for the team itself? And what we did was we print all of our agreements onto a poster, poster site that's in our break room. Our team signs it and every new team member that comes on board will get to see it and they get to sign it. So I think it's a great presence for our prospects when we have new team members coming to our practice. And also a reminder for our team members and our doctors and myself Mm -hmm. is like, hey, we put this agreement together and we make sure we got to, we've got to follow it. Everything I do for my hospital and I try with my leaders too is get your team involved because this Mm -hmm. is the field, the veterinarian field, you know, I believe we focus, we we do focus a lot on our veterinarians, but I think sometimes it gets overlooked with our vet techs and our CSRs and the hospital manager. And I think it's important. Yeah. That's and I point. think that the, yeah. when they have the team buy in, when like you're saying you have them initial them and everybody, you know, it's in the break room, everybody reads it or a new team member see it. I think that's the buy in and the easy reminder to say, remember, you promised this. Right. There's right. some accountability yeah. there that yeah. says Absolutely. we built this together. This is not something I'm cramming down your throat. You agreed to this. You right. told me that this was acceptable. You put yeah. your initials on this. Yeah. Right. I think yeah. that buy in is huge to get. Even the new people, right, when they're coming in, they see that. They're like, oh, everybody else agreed to this. I better, right. too. Right. Yeah. yeah. I love that it's, like, called an agreement rather than a rule, a policy. You know, I think we're really in this crazy transition of HR and people management and organizations where we are moving away from. I mean, we have to have, quote, unquote, rules and policies, and there's things we have to follow. But, like, it's very different with these types of things where... I mean, how many times do you both deal with this where it'll say something like respect your team in, in the handbook or something. And then somebody comes and says, you know, I got disrespected. And then you ask the other person and they say, well, I didn't know I was coming off that like those are really gray areas. So if you say something like we all agree to respect each other rather than it being like written in the handbook as like you must, then people have to be kind of on alert to figure out whether they're being respectful or not. Right. And also it's an agreement, meaning they've bought in. And I think that one of the things that I often think we forget, and it's certainly things that I coach my managers through is that, and I don't mean this offensively to anybody, but our teams are very different than somebody, for example, you know, scanning invoices into a computer and clicking, you know, it's not a team job, our teams are extremely high performing, you know, they're doing anesthesia catheters, talking to crying owners, like it's very intense. And those kinds of people have to be treated in a very different way to somebody who shows up and just does tasks all day. And that person probably is fine, but they show up, they scan their stuff, they go home, they come in at a certain time, they go home at a certain time, like the rules are kind of, it's a very structured job, but high performing teams where our people have to make judgment calls and do these things is very different. And so I like that idea of agreements, like, what do you guys, how do you want to treat each other? What do I, how do I think you should? Let's come up with a happy medium, write it down. Everybody signs it. It's so different than like shoving that employee handbook in their face and saying, sign this or you can't start your job, right? It's just such a different environment. Absolutely. I feel like you're in school, I think kindergarten, you're like, you cannot touch this person. And it's like, that's right. Yeah. There's our playground monitoring again, right? Oh, yes. (laughs) Yeah. Like, okay, I won't do that. I want to go to the principal office, you know? Yeah. I feel like that's kind of gone. Like, I agree. It has gone, definitely has gone away. And we need to make sure it's a collective effort. 
especially it's a team buy-in. Like it helps me too when we have performance issues and I just mm-hmm. say, Hey, look at this. I'm going to reflect on this team agreements we talked about. And you know, what are their feedback? What do they say? They just are like, you're right. You know, or they kind of look like, Oh my gosh, I'm embarrassed. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. No, that's amazing. I mean, you, a lot of stuff that you post on LinkedIn is related to how to build positive, inclusive culture and engage employees, right? And the, the kind of antithesis to that is having a toxic culture. So how can managers build a positive culture or integrate positive culture building and employee engagement into their practices? And I think the best way that I would love to hear is kind of how did you do it at your practice? How do you continue to do it? And what do you think are some of the best practices around how managers could and should promote and support positive culture and engage their employees? Well, I think we all know that leadership, they say leaders set an example. And I think when we see leaders, we're like, hey, this is what we have to follow. This is what we have to do. And we lead by example. And what I mean by that is that, you know, be visible, be present with your team. You know, I know I got a lot of uh, conference meetings, a lot of meetings, and I'm in my office. But if I have that 10 to 15 minute break, be on the floor, learn their job really learn their job and learn how to be a tech. Even if you don't want to be a tech, they call me, my team called me a technician assistant. I'm like, I will hold a dog. You just do what you need to do. But it was for me to really like get to know what they do and recognize their job, what they struggle with day to day. That way I can say, Hey, I spent some time with the technician team you know, like, let's all learn how, what do the technicians face day to day? What do the veterinarians face day to day? And what do the CSRs face day to day? I did actually did this exercise uh, probably a, a year ago with the whole entire staff team. And I said, doctors, tell me what you love about your job. Like, tell me what you love working at Hendricks Veterinary Hospital. You know, they shared and then what stresses you out? And then, you know, they say their things. And then I go receptionist. You tell me, you tell me the same thing. They did the same thing and the technicians say, and I go, each of you have different stressors in your job. Our job is to work as a team and support each other. So how can we support the doctors and not feeling so stressed in their job? And how do we, can we support the receptionist who's getting yelled at by a client to not feel stressed or mentally getting broken down by a, you know, unruly client we have? you know, how can we support each other? And so that was very important for them to all recognize like, hey, everyone's job is different and they face different challenges. It is our job to make sure that we support them and find those gaps and making sure that they are supported and they have someone to help them and, you know, connect with. And Mary, I want to go back to something that you had said a few minutes ago when you talked about uh, kind of at the beginning where you talked about you're on the floor sitting next to them and you're kind of building rapport. And then a little bit later when you talked about having these one-on-ones and doing some, what I would call career mapping and really focusing in on their in particular, like this person, like Susie, the technician or Bobby, the receptionist, like what their goals are, how much time of your typical day or a week even do you spend on the floor working side by side with them? And like you said, holding and restraining an animal so that technician can do its job or whatever the case may be. And I ask that because I'll have so much crap on our to-do list. How much time do you spend on the floor in this particular area trying to build positive culture and employee engagement? 
Yeah, I totally get it. We have so much, so much to do. And that's, I know it's hard because we think about it. How much is too much on the floor? I know there are some leaders that spend their full-time technicians on the floor. And there are some leaders who don't spend at all because they say, I'm not a vet tech. I don't know what to do. I would say there's that balance there. If you got 15, 20 minutes to take that break to the break room, take that time to go, you know, help. Hey, can I help you restrain a dog? Or, you know, what can I, what are you doing? There are times, for example, if you look at my day to day, I have so much stuff going on in my responsibilities. But I would say that what I do is when I get that moment, like a 30 minute break, it's usually around lunchtime because I'm like getting hungry. I'm like, okay, it's right before lunch. I will go check in with a doctor and his team and say, hey, you guys see your drop off yet? And they're like, no, we haven't. We've been busy. All right, I'll grab the dog. Is that okay? And I can get this. Oh my gosh. Yeah, thank you. 30 minutes. It could be. And then when the technicians are done with their rooms, they come and relieve me. And then I'm like, but that was just recognizing if you're walking to somewhere doing that. But I would say my time, I spent probably five hours to 10 hours a week. Depends. I do not commit to a full shift on the floor unless I have to where we're short. But whatever I could do to let them know that I'm here, I will answer phone calls. We need me at the receptionist. So my CSR can have that 30 minute lunch break. So I try to figure that out and balance it, but it's a lot of balancing. So it sounds like an hour to two hours a day or yeah. five to 10 hours a week. Okay, perfect. Yeah. I'd love to to have some kind of reference there. And of course, every practice is going to be different, like you said, depending on their skill set. But I love having a reference and a frame of mind is how much is enough to do that. If you truly are wanting to focus on building some of these things, then an hour to two hours a day is reasonable for a quote project. In that sense of if we have another project like rebuilding our website or renegotiating a contract, we're spending an hour to two hours a day or five to 10 hours a week on a project on a consistent basis. So thank you for that, Mary. I appreciate that. Absolutely. I would also want to add to that, that like, if you have a culture that's suffering and you're like, how is my, why is my team, why are we having, we can't retain anybody. We're having, you know, people are quitting or people look burnout then I would say increase your time. You need to find out what's going on out there and spend more on the time. Right. I would agree. Yeah. When you've got a big issue, then spend more time and do your due diligence working on diagnosing it and how you're going to treat it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Talk to me about a couple common mistakes that you've seen in veterinary practice that we make with culture, either bad culture or not spending enough time in culture or toxic environments, things like that, especially from your lens coming into the veterinary profession from the human side. Is there certain things that you saw right off the bat were like big red flags? Yes. I, you know, this was fun to actually kind of answer. I was like, oh yes, I could share this to Andrea and David. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, first, well, I, you know, veterinarian technicians are very, you know, they're all, they're in demand, very in demand. And I would say poor hiring decisions, number one mistake. You see someone, oh, this person has skills. They have all the skills. Now, how are they as a people? And they come in and they are your most toxic employee. And you're just trying to staff and staff and staff. And I learned that the hard way because I did this same thing when I first started because I didn't know. And then I learned, why am I having so much issue? And I'm spending so much time dealing with gossiping, complaints. And it's because I was hiring people or there were current people 
that were just, you know, they had the greatest skill, but they were just not a team player. They are just not willing to grow with the practice. They didn't like change and they're very resistant. So that was number one. Number two, lack of check-ins. I know I've talked to some leaders. I was like, like David said, you know, have you talked to that person? Oh, no, I haven't. When's the last time? About a year ago, I do their annual check-ins. And I'm like, ah, and like when they, I hear annual check-ins, I'm like, oh, what are we like in yeah, the 90s? Yeah, just to make you cringe. <laughs> yes. <Yeah>, right? <laughs> I'm like, no oh, more annual God, check-ins. Yes. I'm like, stop. <laughs> and I'm like, you need to, I was like, you need to start uh, spending time with your team members a little bit more check-ins, you know, start quarterly, then monthly, then make it and then create your plan. Like I see some technicians or some staff members, I check in with them monthly or quarterly if they need it. Cause they're, they're usually pretty content. They are short with me. They're like, I'm happy, Mary. I'm great. Good. I'm like, okay. All right. Bye. Then they're also individuals where I'm like, I need to be with this person a little bit more because they like to stir some drama. So I need to check in with this person on a weekly maybe basis. And then my third one is, I get this a lot is Susie keeps doing this. Susie, and I'm like, okay, you're really focusing on the who. You're not focusing on the why. Why does Susie keep making these mistakes? Why is Susie upset with her coworkers? And I always ask them, why? Why are they feeling that way? And then they get to the thing. I'm like, I'm like, are they just coming in tent and they they show up today for work and be like, I'm going to be mean to everyone and I'm going to be poor at my job. I don't think they do that. I think they, there's something going on mm-hmm. either at home or at work. And so you as a leader need to find out why it's happening. Those are epic. Thank you, Mary. Those are amazing. Yes. So here on the Positive Leadership Podcast, we always like to leave our listeners with some actionable tidbit. And so we always talk about things that our managers can do tomorrow. What are one or two really good action items that our uh, listeners, managers, owners, administrators could start tomorrow with motivating employees, getting them engaged and increasing efficiency? You know, when I talk to practices and I say, oh, my team does special shout outs. What is special shout outs? I'm like, what? You don't know what that means. And when I say this, it's us leaders. We, you know, we know how to do positive recognition. We know we do all of that. That's our job. But having to hear from your peers is more impactful than hearing it from your leaders. I feel it's very important. And I think today that most people can start doing is implementing shout outs during your meetings, your morning huddles. Spend the so what we do is spend the last five minutes and we share a special shout out to a team member. They say, Hey, thanks, Tina, for your help today with that crazy patient. Thanks for covering my shift. You know, those are little things. Thanks, Mary, for stepping in to help with appointments. You know, those and it takes that five minutes in recognizing everybody as a group because sometimes we focus on our low performers a lot. And we're like, good job, good job. But what about our high performers? Hey, one of my technicians, she is, she's one of my high performers and she gets special recognition because she is a great mentor. People love learning from her. And I had a new TA say, thank you, Grace, for taking the time to show me those process and being a mentor to me. And that was very impactful to the team. So I would say that's something everybody can start now. The second one, like I said before in this podcast, is get on the floor, start those short conversation, ask questions, eat lunch with them in the break room, do something a little bit and build your way up to build that connection. Yeah, and be a part of the team, right? I always feel like there's that 
you know, in the office and there's that separation of managers that can physically create a barrier when they're in their office and tearing that down, not physically, because you still need a place to work, but yeah. um, <laughs> to go out there and be a part of the team, right? Yeah. Have lunch with them, do things side by side with that. You can physically be close next to them in the same proximity or area, or you're helping a client or a patient, or you're doing something with them. I used to take my laptop and go work in the lobby just so I could be in the same proximity and help and support and talk with them and chat with them if I could, you know, it's like just, I love that. just being a part of the team, you know? Yes. I love it. And then some practices are designed, layout or different. Usually hospital managers yeah, right. are all across the room and it's like, he's literally just go in the break room, take your laptop. Like you said, I think that's awesome. Yeah. Can you give our listeners a piece of advice? One piece of advice in a nutshell, if you could get on that soapbox, tell us what it is. Yeah, I think I pretty much said it through all of this is really, you know, be visible, get out of your office. Doesn't mean just go out and just say hi. I know I talk to leaders, they say, oh, I do my rounds. I go, but did you go out and learn their job and build that personal connection with your employees? And that is, hey, Will, how was your birthday this weekend? How was, you know, asking your employee, I heard you had a family reunion. How was your vacation? Asking things that you actually remember and they're like, wow, she actually listened to me. She actually learned. You truly building the connection with them and building the trust, which in return will create that strong bond with your team. And that you as a leader that shows them that you really do care about them and they really want to be part of they want to work for you. They want to stay at your hospital. Great. I love it. Absolutely love it. I writing as fast as I can. <laughs> <laughs> So I'd like to ask you of your favorite, maybe most memorable time, maybe it was an interaction with a practice owner or a manager or a client or an employee, something that made your eyes pop out like pugs, your palm hit your forehead, chin hit the ground, and you tell yourself like, no freaking way, nobody in the world could make this shit up. Can you tell me and share with our listeners, of course, protect the names, you know, change the names and protect the innocent. Can you share with us your, you can't make this shit up story? Yeah, I actually was trying to think, I'm like, which one? And this one kept popping my head. So funny story. We had a local business owner bring in their shih tzu for a dental. Dental, you know, we call the owner, we do all of that stuff and say, here's your estimate. Here's all of this. And I pretty think like, I think most practice has this similar situation. Anyways, client comes and picks up their pet and he physically gets out of his car and starts yelling and threatening the team. And I had just left my practice and one of my employees calls me, Mary, the police have been called. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, what just happened? What? Yeah. what? Yeah. And I'm like, wait, I just left. And they were like, well, this client's mad because we took his dog's teeth out and he doesn't want to pay for it. And he... Then he started, I had a couple team members out in the parking lot with my doctor. He was trying to fight my doctor. Cops were wow. coming. And I'm like, this is only for a dental. And the, you know what's crazy thing I think wow. about it? He's a local business owner. Like, oh, you own a business. Yeah. And this right. is how you, could, as a client, conduct. It was probably one of the worst situations that my team has ever. We still think about it. Talk, we laugh. We're like, we're like, oh my gosh. Remember 
remember that guy? Wow. Like, remember that right. guy? Remember that guy? <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. He put wow. a hand on my doctor and my doctor, wow. he did really good at just like, yeah. they, the cop came and the, mm-hmm. you know what the crazy thing? The cop says, oh, he's done this before. <gasps> and oh, it's no. Like, and that's where we're like, can we have like a blacklist, <laughs> like a yes. book that says, don't go anywhere. We want to protect our veterinarian field. But it was, it really, it was a crappy time, but we've moved on and our clients have been amazing since. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Oh my gosh. That is, yeah. Those are really intense. scary. Right. And yes, very, yeah. Right. Very tense. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, Cause as a leader, you're like, you know, you don't go to school how to practice, like handle yeah. this stuff. You're like, no, what's sure. happening? My team are there and I'm gone. How are they yeah. handled it? They yeah, handled that's it. That's great. Hey, Andrea here. Have you seen our social media pages? Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You can also find us on our website, www.positiveleaders.com. And if you like what you see there, be sure to give Rhonda and Linda a shout out over at Dog Days Consulting. They do all of our social media management. They even built our website. Those ladies can work some creative magic for your business and your brand. Check them out on Facebook at Dog Days Consulting or visit their website at www.dogdaysconsulting.com. So at this point in the show, we're going to go into the rapid fire. Tell me about your most epic failure that has left a lasting impact. Falling in the middle of the street and to crumble cookies. (laughs) Tell me about your proudest moment. Graduating with my master's while juggling work and a mom life. Why veterinary medicine? What do you just love about our profession? Make an impact not just to people, but to animals. And I just love the community and the connections. Self-care, how do you practice it? How do you decompress? Mindful minutes in the morning and reflecting what I'm grateful for. And I decompress by walking outdoors and enjoying the sunshine. How do you balance work and life? And do you experience any work guilt in that balance? Setting boundaries for myself, such as, you know, closing my laptop at 5 p.m., putting my phone away from my family and not checking emails on weekends. And yes, I feel experience a lot of work guilt. So still working on those boundaries. (laughs) What keeps you up at night? Things that stress you out or cause you anxiety in your hospital? Imposter syndrome. And what gets you up and out of bed in the morning? What excites you to start your day? My family and my people and getting S-I-H-T, done, and seeing smiles on people's faces. <laughs> Didn't know if awesome. I could say that part. <laughs> you got You say it, girl. Getting right. so shit awesome. done. <laughs> exactly. Getting shit done. I love it. Well, Mary, this has been so lovely. Thank you so thank much you for so coming Thank you so much, by. Mary. It's been great. This was great. Well, thank you both so much. This was a fun. It was really, it was really fun. Good. <laughs> Have, Have a great weekend. <laughs> yeah. You too. No worries. All right. Thanks. For all the positive leaders listening out there, we hope you learned something to take back to your practice to put into use tomorrow. We want to hear from you, good, bad, and everything in between. So email us at positiveleaders at gmail.com. That's positive with a P-A-W. Want to hear about a specific topic on the podcast? Email us. Want to have your you can't make this shit up story featured? Email us. You can listen to us on your favorite podcast app and subscribe to the Positive Leadership Podcast and be sure to rate us. 
check out our website at www.positiveleaders.com. That's positive with a P-A-W. And as always, catch us on all the socials. This is Andrea. And David. Signing off until next time. Stay happy and sane. The Positive Leadership Podcast is solely for informational purposes. The information, statements, comments, views, and opinions provided in this podcast are general in nature, and such information, statements, comments, views, and opinions, and the receipt of this podcast by any listener are not intended to be and should not be construed as the provision of any business advice. The information, statements, comments, views, and opinions expressed or provided in this podcast, including by speakers and guests, are those of Andrea Crabtree, David Liss, and their guests only, may not be current, and do not represent the statements, comments, views, and opinions of any other person or business entity. Andrea Crabtree, David Liss, and or the Positive Leadership Podcast do not make any representation or warranty as to the accuracy or completeness of any of the information, statements, comments, views, or opinions contained in this podcast, and any liability, therefore, including in respect of direct, indirect, or consequential loss or damage of any kind whatsoever, is expressly disclaimed.